Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's the Flamin' Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are trying. We are here. This is the best we got. We got Josh Fitty Marlowe, too, behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, 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 I'm Ooh. back. It's going to be tough. There's Wes Bryant. The, the, yes, the the grunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, choppy. The yeah. voices are today. I, Fiddy, I mean, look, the problem is I think Fiddy, he's always like, yeah, you know, hope you hope you feel better, man. You know, feel if you need to go home, that's fine. But as the joke goes with Fiddy, you know, there's a little bit of happiness because as soon as he says that, he also asks, hey, if you want me to drive today, that's fine. Of course, Fiddy's always, you know, looking for opportunities to be able to usurp either one of us. That's why I know when I sent the text saying that I needed to stay, he definitely, I think he was the first one. It was like, Westo, I think you said at first, you was like, don't worry about calling in. And then he definitely chimed in and was more than happy to uh, for me to take a day off. I know if, I know how Fiddy mm-hmm. is yeah, No, it's, it's a nice strategy from him. No, I am the one that texted first. I am. Yeah. And then what's funny is Fiddy, he, it, he's a generous guy. Hey, if you need to go home, I feel you. We're going to take care of everything. He's like, and then he's asking, hey, you want me to drive? You want yeah, me to open up the show? Right. You want to bring this one in? He rubbing his hands together like Birdman after I said that. He's like, yeah. 100%. 100%. So, and this is the problem, right? You know what it is on Wednesdays. It's War Cry Wednesday. That's right. The problem is today the war cry is not going to be very scary. This is not going to be something that I think has a lot of power. The question is, do we just blow out our vocal cords before we go for three straight hours and then sound awful the rest of the day? Or do we just take a bye week here? What do we do, Wes? Like you tell me you were wanting to do it. Fiddy was saying maybe we should go with the bye week. We could leave it up to the listeners. Do we still do War Cry Wednesday? There are listeners out there that need the War Cry. They need to be able to unleash in their cards that they might not be going right. Their supervisor may, you know, have them in a place where they don't feel great uh, about what could happen if said supervisor is talking to them. So they need. A bit of a war cry. Okay. Especially it's lunchtime, people in their cars, people in their restaurants thinking about the rest of their day. They need a war cry. All right. All right. So here you go. Here goes here goes my all my volume. Um my voice is gonna be shot the rest of the day. So I apologize to everybody listening. But here we go. This is it. In your cars, you know what it is. You can yell top of your lungs, or you could just even give it a little nice, quiet chant if you're in a bunch of, uh, if you're in a cubicle somewhere surrounding your other colleagues. Here we go. War Cry Wednesday. One, two, three. Let's go! More air time for Fiddy! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Done. <laughs> Look at that. I'm done. Look at that. I'm done. Look at God. 704. Don't blow out the cords, Walker. Uh, Short bearded dude. Keep pounding, baby. We need the war cry Wednesday. That's right. We need it, man. Brian A. Glad to have you back. Wes, 704. Continuing to say, hey, yeah, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do the war cry Wednesday. But we did it. It's here. It's a Wednesday. And with that, we're going to pull up to the scene. Get off the bus. Go ahead and open up the doors, Mr. Bus Driver.
We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! We open up with an important practice update, Wes. You know how bad the offensive line has been. It's been brutal. Austin Corbett, a big absence at the beginning of this season. We knew it was going to happen because of the injury that he suffered last year, that it was going to eat into the beginning of this season. He goes on IR. He's not eligible to return until week five. Austin Corbett back at practice today. The offensive line, it's been in shambles. The right guard spot, it has been pretty bad, although I thought Throckmorton held his own enough in pass-blocking situations against Minnesota. We know Chandler Zavala has probably been the worst guard in the league, and I don't think that's hyperbolic. When you allow as many pressures as he has, when you're still not creating gaps in the run game, Chandler Zavala probably has been the worst guard in the league. So Austin Corbett being out there on the field, practicing today, I think that is a monster sign to try to bring something back in the good graces for this Panthers offense. It doesn't mean they're going to be the greatest show on turf. Not anything close to it. But Wes, I think this is a much, much needed positive news update surrounding this Panthers offense, and I think it'll make a big difference as far as the pass protection goes for Bryce Young. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way about it. Uh, I think Austin Corp is a good player for sure. But this is not the return of Larry Allen, ladies and gentlemen. He can come in. He can help. And and, in all seriousness, I think he will give uh, some solidarity to this offensive line. He can come in and stabilize one of those guard positions coming off of injury. We'll see how he is coming back. Is he the same player? Is it going to be a little bit of time for him to be able to get back? But at this point, Walker... I'm going to jump in the boat with you and say that this line could use any type of positivity, but it's still four other guys that uh, still have to play better than what they've been playing. And so one man, that's that's the crazy part about an offensive line is that it's a unit pretty much more than any other position on the field. And so uh, hopefully he can provide some stability there at one of those guard spots and try to give a little bit of help to a line that is struggling. Is your hesitance just because of Austin Corbett as a player? I mean, he was he was good last year, man. Is it just not much confidence? I don't look. I mean, I he's know. a solid player, but I'm not looking at him as a difference maker on the offensive line where he's going to come in and just start wrecking shop immediately. Like yeah. I think he's a good, solid football player. I, well, I but uh, for sure, when you're talking about Calvin Throckmorton. <laughs> Chandler Savala. Big upgrade. I'll say that. Big upgrade. I think think bringing an average football player into this offensive line instead of a guy that's allowed 28 pressures, 14 more. Is he the guy that's going to take a seat? I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should be, (laughs) right? Like, it should be. So are they going to put... Because he's a right guard, correct? So is he gonna? Are they yes. gonna put him at left? No. What I what well, what I would do is get Savala out of there, see if Throckmorton can play on the left side, and then put Austin Corbett at his spot. I don't know why you wouldn't want to mess up where a guy played pretty well. And I know you're not very high, but I also know you like to reference PFF. And man, that dude was pass blocking very well last season. Like just it, it may, yeah, run blocking a little worse, but also not bad. Pass blocking, the dude protected his ass off. And so with Austin Corbett coming back. That's, I think, a big-time upgrade, even if you think he's just a little above average. 
Who, buddy? That is a monster seismic yeah, I, gap yeah, with the other sure. interior offensive lineman that you have up there. I just don't want you to take this positive news away from me, Wes. <laughs> like, we got some positive news offensively, and you're like, yeah, it's not Larry Allen. I don't care. The big gap is going to be what Larry at the gap between Larry Allen and Austin Corbett. That gap might exist between Austin Corbett and Chandler Zavala, who might be the odd man out if you move Throckmorton to the I left mean, side. Chandler Zavala right now, 76 out of 76 guards in the NFL. His grade, 27.4. So I definitely think it's going to be him that is taking a seat right now. I think so, too. Um, the offensive line has been bad. We know about that for sure. I talked about that with Joe Person yesterday, who joined Weston Walker, and I thought he had a bunch of interesting points. Let's start with the macro and then work our way down. Because I think the macro, the thing that has the biggest impact on this franchise, is all about David Tepper's hands being over the football operations. I asked him if it was fair to say that David Tepper deserves a meddling narrative surrounding him. So much so that, I mean, he, we know how many people have talked. Mike Florio talked about David Tepper being the guy that wanted Bryce Young. He doesn't even have to specifically say to Scott Fitterer or Frank Reich, hey, take Bryce Young. Those guys are going to want because of the job, because of the uh, because of the type of authority that David Tepper has, they're going to want to please the owner, right? So is it fair to say that David Tepper is meddling in football operations? Here's what Joe Person had to say. He, he's very involved. He, he is very involved. Um, and, and, you know, and any owner would be involved when you've got the number one pick. I thought Tepper and, and Nicole were were extremely involved. I mean, it was obvious. They're vis- mm-hmm. visible at all the pro days. They go to dinner. And, and that's fine, but you don't want to get so involved that the, the football people feel like they maybe can't pick their guy. And I'm with you. I mean, my read early on in the in the pre-draft process, beginning with when they met with Derek Carr at the Combine, was that Frank Reich, given his druthers, would prefer a big quarterback. Um, whether that's Derek Carr, who's not huge, but bigger than Bryce Young, or if they were going to go the draft route, Richardson or Stroud. And, um, I mean, they, they all but said that. The big quarterback preference for Frank Reich, I always brush that off just because most quarterbacks in the NFL, I would say a lot of them, are going to be about 6'3 or above. And so that's why it was always hard for me to fully buy into that narrative. But Joe Person, who covers this team as well as anybody, told you that was his read on it, that Frank Reich would have gone with the C.J. Stroud. And Wes, remember all the reports about how Reich might have been pounding the table a little bit for Anthony Richardson? saying how that and we got Tony Pauline on these airwaves saying that there are some people very interested in Anthony Richardson in that building and he fits the narrative of the big athletic quarterback that Frank Reich might like to have so here's David Tepper coming in here's Scott Fitterer who might have wanted Bryce Young as well and eventually Frank Reich came around to it what did you make of that Joe Person soundbite you just heard um the thing is it's so hard because as the owner it's just human nature that you're going to want what you're going to want. That's the thing I'm thinking about. Like, if I'm an owner and I'm watching kids and I have the first pick in the draft and I'm watching college football every week, there's going to be a guy that I'm going to pinpoint that I'm going to want. And then if I feel like the coaching staff isn't on the same page with me, more than likely I probably would say, no, this is who I want. This is who we're going to draft. And we've heard these instances before. Uh, one that immediately comes to mind was Lloyd Reese, the GM at the time of the Titans. Uh, and the whole Vince Young debacle, how the owner, I forget their owner's name, one of Vince Young and Floyd Reese 
and the crew did not. And so you run into these situations all the time because if you own something and you feel strong in your convictions about something or someone, you're going to want to make it happen because you have the power to make it happen. Uh, I would think it is kind of difficult for owners sometimes to just completely rely on the football game, the football guys, especially if you feel like you know a lot on your own. Because on one hand, you say, well, you got to let the guys do their jobs. But then at the second hand, you're like, this is my team. I want who I want. And it's not like Bryce Young was a bad choice. He had all the credentials. Everything was there for you to want to pick him. But uh, meddlesome owners can be a bit of a drag on franchises. And right now, it's not looking good for Tepper with public perception, with the product that's been put out since he's been uh, having ownership of the team. So now the question is, are the Carolina Panthers going to make a move with Brian Burns to try to recoup some assets that they've lost in the Brian Burns trade-up, or excuse me, in the Bryce Young trade-up to go get him, number one? We know that they don't have a first-round pick in a year where they just might finish up with a top-three pick, and it's going to go straight to the Chicago Bears because of the trade they made in order to go get Bryce Young. Now there are talks about the Panthers being interested in trading for a number one wide receiver. Jordan Schultz had that video where he talked about his source of telling him one thing. Is Brian Burns on the trade block again? And what are the chances that Brian Burns could be traded after we had this discussion last year? Here's the last soundbite from Joe Person that will play about the likelihood that the star defensive end could be with a different team. I mean, I think there's a chance. The problem is now is by holding on to him as long as you have and not getting a deal done, the return is going to be much less than what the, the Rams offered them last year, which was two first and a third, which was a huge haul. And I, I remember people in the organization telling me that, listen, it's easier to replace this right after Christian McCaffrey, by the way. So I think it was like, boy, do we really want to let our best player on each side of the ball go? This is where it gets tricky. If the Panthers, if, if the Jordan Schultz reports are really true, that the Panthers are looking for a star wide receiver. We saw it reported last year that the Bears wanted DJ Moore, Derek Brown, or Brian Burns, okay? What you did was you decided to trade the wide receiver because you felt that player easier to replace than the two-star defensive lineman that you have on this squad. I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I do think the calculus changes a little bit when you intend to draft your franchise quarterback and then you're actively giving something up that would help your franchise quarterback succeed. But okay. Maybe they could replace DJ Moore. This city runs hot and cold with how well he played with this Carolina Panthers team. Cool. But now you decide not to trade or pay Brian Burns just to possibly trade him for less value? Wes, if they trade Brian Burns, I understand there is something to the point of trying to go after some other pieces that might help you and not wanting to just stay in on the pot with a bad hand just because you're in too deep. It doesn't mean that you keep making mistake after mistake, but man, it will show a lot of ineptitude from this franchise. If they trade Brian Burns for anything less than two first round picks and a third that they were being offered from the Rams for a receiver that might be less talented than DJ Moore, that would show a lot of ineptitude. It certainly would. And so you also look at this situation and that teams are certainly going to lowball them because they know they're in a position of desperation. And when you get put in that position, man, it's definitely hindsight 2020. They should have did this. They should have did that. But I just think that with this whole Brian Burns situation now at this point, 
you have to get a haul. You have to try to get the most that you can get because this team right now is looking devoid of assets. You don't want them to necessarily trade for a receiver because you're like, they don't have much to give up at this point besides players. And so um, the Panthers have put themselves in a very tough spot because franchises are going to smell the desperation on them and are going to try to lowball them as much as they can. All right, we're going to answer some of your text on the other side of the break, 704-570-9610. And then we're going to bring Second Take Tuesday to a Wednesday. All coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. War Cry Wednesday, but it is still a War Cry Wednesday. We are here and we are trying. It is Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I got to say, the new fit from West today. doesn't matter if he's sick. All that matters is that he's fresh to death. Look <laughs> no, at him, man. That. The Hartford Whaler long sleeve tee with the Hartford Whaler shirt. Yeah. Of course, you have the green Jordan 1s on to match. I love everything about it. It just works. Well, Wes. listen, I appreciate that. If you're not feeling too great, man, you got to at least look great. You know what I'm saying? And uh, this is one of those days and hockey season right around the corner. The Canes have the second highest odds for the Stanley Cup this year. So excited by that. The Avalanche are number one. But the Canes, I'm feeding. I'm almost feeding for a Canes championship as much as a 49ers, man. I want it so bad. I've been 704 980. Let's go. Let's go. I've been hanging in there with them, man, and and I, I just want it. Can you want a Charlotte Hornets championship too, just to make sure? Like if the if listen, can, I would, I would, I would love that, man. That's I would love that. Well, if you just have any power, right? Because the 49ers have won a few championships. The Canes make it at least deep into the postseason. And got one. So it seems like it's the very opposite of the Mac curse. Yeah. You know, that teams you pull for, they might actually do pretty well. Yeah. So maybe you could just hop on board the Panther bandwagon a little sooner with Bryce Young. I know you love him. Come on. And then Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> keep on hopping on these bandwagons. Well, I wanted to do the Hornets, but they fired me. Well, they didn't do it. <laughs> but it wasn't the franchise. It was Bally. Uh, so, so look, and I'm all I'm all against Bally. I knew that was going to uh, get y'all eyebrows raised. Well, look, I would react a little stronger if I had enough juice behind the voice. No doubt. No but, doubt. But I don't. And also, no. yeah, it's the Charlotte Hornets. I know they are there a little bit, but. But no, as a Charlotte T, you know, I still would love to see the Hornets bring one home. 
No doubt about it. All right, let's go to the text line. Fitty's still crying over there. He liked that line, <laughs> 704. I knew he would. That's why well, I well, Fitty, a little shot in the arm. Fitty likes fired talk. He either likes firing people or likes people talking about themselves being fired. I mean, like, I had something I was going to say, but I don't know. No, screw it. I'm going to say it. This is scary. Wes, if you wouldn't have gotten fired, would you be in the studio with us? Yep. Oh, are you sure? Yeah. I could do this job and that job. Yeah, no but, but, but I, I don't know if you'd be around as much because just even happenstance, the butterfly effect, one little thing could throw off the course of time and we wouldn't have Wes and Walker. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, I I uh, no, I no, could have easily done both because this would be well, perfect I, time and I'm right by the arena. No, but well, I, you know what? Bleep Bally. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, no I, I'm not. I'm not questioning your ability. Yes. No, nobody's questioning your ability. Uh-huh. Is would it, I'm not saying could you do it? Yeah. What it would it have happened? I don't think so. I don't think it would have happened. You'd be too big time. No, not at all. Never too big time. You'd be still wearing the alligator suit. <laughs> yeah, no, because see, it, it still would have happened because I still would have been coming in the building. Rickett would have seen me, asked me to do some okay. fill-in. It still would have happened. All right, all right. Ordained. Okay, there you go. Okay. It's ordained. Oh, I like that. Yeah, 704. <laughs> I had to pay to be ordained, too, so look yeah. at you. Yeah, that's that's true story on the internet. 704-570-9610. I'll go, yeah, all right, Fiddy, I'll address your eyebrow raise. Yes, I am an ordained, at least somebody that can marry some people, and I actually just got asked to do it again. That's a true story. That is a true story. I already married. It was my best friend's growing up little brother. He asked me to uh, officiate the wedding. I got asked to do it again a year from now because you know how I am. There's Wait, just so weddings in your galore. Repertoire. You can do this. I can. This you is, will be our official. I yeah. paid. I paid fifty bucks. <laughs> I did it last year to be able to officiate legally. <laughs> sign that document that says, "Yep, I synced it. Y'all are married. It's legally binding." That is something within my power, and I'm a little scared at how Fiddy is laughing right now. I just can't wait till you have to wed me and my future wife. I there are there are a lot of jokes I'm gonna roll. I could roll with, but I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna be nice. You can throw them back my way. I'm gonna be nice. Since you've offered this information, you're gonna you're gonna whenever Wes when Wes gets married, you're gonna wed Wes, and they're gonna wed me. <laughs> and man, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you never want to fish another wedding again. It's so. Why is it so scary and so strong? You're so maniacal. (laughs) No matter whatever I say, like as far as an ability I have or whatever I might like, oh yeah, I'm going to make sure you never want to officiate a wedding ever again. It's so so scary. This is going to be me on my wedding day. I do, I do, I do. Mm. Very good play from you. You are on one today. Both scary and also appreciate but you are on one. Let's go to the text line, 704-570-9610. I want to get to Second Take Tuesday, but Wes, I think we got a bunch of good comments on the text line. I think we have some good questions I want to roll with. We were talking about it during the break. Bagel Guy wrote in, can we be honest? Do we think it would look any better if Stroud was here in the same situation as Bryce Young? Because I don't. Bagel Guy does not think it would look any better with C.J. Stroud in place of Bryce Young. How different do you think it would look? Uh, This is the thing, man. A lot of people I've been hearing now, I hear different opinions, and it's like people think that the Texans were supposed to be 2-2. People think that the Texans were going to be a really good team in the AFC now. Uh, People think C.J. Stroud's production is just a byproduct from this awesome Texas offense, and I think that people need to stop fooling themselves because – C.J. Stroud has had to deal with the banged-up offensive line all season long. They haven't had their 
uh, original starting lineup at all this season. I believe they've had three to four guys out most of the year, including Laramie Tunsil. So he's been playing with the makeshift uh, offensive line all year long. He's still up there in the league. When you talk about uh, quarterback ratings and uh, he's got two third round receivers. I mean, when you look at this passer rating versus man coverage, he's number one in the NFL, 139.4. This guy's out there getting it done with a makeshift off, off, makeshift offensive line. Nico Collins was a third-round pick. Don't sit here and tell me you thought Nico Collins was on the cusp of blowing up and turning into uh, one of these big wideouts. Tank Dale also is a third-rounder. I love Tank, but still, let's not act like that C.J. Stroud is just playing with this uh, insulated offense full of great weapons and this great offensive line. Nobody thought the Texans were going to be 2-2 two and two at this point, and a lot of that has to do with Stroud and what he's brought getting those young guys going. I read that he invites the guys to uh, dinner every night. Let me make sure I've, I've got that right, but they said he invites the guys uh, over for dinner. Yeah, almost every night they said for dinner with his private chef. They said this was something that he did at Ohio State. You saw the comments he made post-game talking about Pittsburgh and sending them home with the L. I mean, the kid's special. That's all That's all you can say, man. And, and he's got the Texans going, and Anthony Richardson is another one too. Like, the completion percentage might not be what you want, but let's not act like he's playing behind a powerhouse of an offense either. I guess here's here's my question, though, too. I've been using that phrase a lot lately. I'm just going to ask the question instead of setting up the table and saying, yeah, here's how I'm going to do it. But what it is with me, you're right about that. I think we disagree on this just philosophically. You're totally right, and I'm with you on everybody acting like the Texans were always going to have this better offensive line. They were always going to have a better situation. The only group that would be ranked behind the Carolina Panthers pass catchers when you would go to PFF, ESPN, whatever publication, whatever, it would be the Texans yeah. skill group. It would be. It'd be Panthers 31, and if there was a team below them, it would be the Texans. That's all true, but it doesn't mean it can't change. Mm-hmm. And Nico Collins is legitimately balling, okay? Yes. Like separation, point of attack. Nico Collins is out here. If, if we want to do the whole PFF grading system, he's fourth in the league which is astonishing. And if you just want to watch his tape, yeah, forget the numbers, right? You don't want all these advanced stats. Stop stop hitting me with your nerd stats, which is totally fine. <laughs> just watch him. Nico Collins is out here balling. Wes Tank Dell, he's helping you immediately. And by the way, Tank Dell wasn't even supposed to start. I believe it was Noah Brown who got hurt that allowed Tank Dell to get Not some to of the... he has a defensive coach, too. Yep. No, you do. And and people are loving what the offensive coordinator is doing for them. I forget his name. I'll look it up. But people are really liking him as a play caller. But so, so things can change, though, right? Like, I think there's room for both. No, it's not okay to say, oh, the Texans were always going to have a better situation. Nah, man, nobody was saying that. Nah, I can't. I don't know if I can go to one single football analyst that was saying the Texan situation was going to be better. But we can agree now that it is, right? Like Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Wes, your third wide receiver is like Adam Thielen with Robert Woods. Like that's yep. your third guy. KG vet. Yeah. And and Tank Dell and Nico Collins are out here helping CJ Stroud. And by the way, CJ Stroud is performing well himself. He is not just a product of his system. He is out here allowing that system to flourish as well as much as it has. So I do think there's truth to both. Nobody was expecting the Texans to be this good even the surrounding pieces, but it's true that it is now. It's true that it is now. And if you flip them, 
Hmm. Adam Thielen as your best receiver, who's performed better than I thought and has legitimately been very good to start the season for sure. It still is a worse wide receiver group, regardless of what we thought coming into the year. Well, the thing is, what you get from that Texans wide receiver core is speeding youth. And that's the thing that kind of separates them a little bit. You got Tank Dale, that's a jitterbug out there. Just nobody can stay in front of the guy. Nico Collins is another guy that's got good speed, too, and he's young. So I think that's the difference when you look at the skill sets, not to mention they invested in Dalton Schultz coming over from Dallas this year. But I think another thing, too, man, and it's a good question to ask, are the coaching staffs different in terms of trust level? Because running Rand on the text line says, Wes, I get all your points. Let's face it, if Stroud was here, he would not look either. I guess he was trying to say better. But the thing is, I feel like the C.J. Stroud is letting it go. And we saw when Andy Dalton played against Seattle and he was just letting it go. The offense looked much better. Guys were making plays down the field. Dalton was testing the defense and throwing the football down the field and wasn't afraid to let it fly. And I think when you watch C.J. Stroud, that's what you see. You see him getting out there. He looks like a vet. Now, is that because because we heard during the offseason about how good he was playing. We heard all of these things about how this offense with him at the quarterback, had the potential of looking when you talk about just his accuracy and how he was playing during the spring. But you uh, but you thought, it's camp, whatever, everybody looks great on air, whatever the case may be. But he's really throwing it around with fantastic accuracy. And I think it's either a combination of the Panthers are gearing the, the, the coaching towards Bryce playing a more conservative style, and the Texans are not. I guess you could say that. But then also, too, it's an exercise in offensive line coaching because they've played, like I said, with three to four yeah. replacements all season long. The Steelers came into that game with one of the best pass rushes in all of football. They didn't touch C.J. Stroud. He didn't get sacked. And so that's another thing you look at, too, is the coaching yeah. there, or is it just because they're playing with backups. Like, their backup offensive linemen are playing better than Carolina's starters. So it's then you look at, okay, is it coaching? Is it personnel like these guys must have really done a hell of a job evaluating their linemen if their backups are coming in and playing the way that they're playing 100 percent, and that's why it's impressive what the texans were able to do in the first four games of cj stroud's career because you're right the offensive line has been banged up and they've always had the best left tackle larry mutunsel is one of the best blindside protectors in the league but you're right he's really good out of that gas mask he's been hurt yeah <laughs> should have been looking should have been looking away from the gas mask and just go ahead and selected him because who cares man yeah, <laughs> like he's a baller I mean, I mean, if you had to redo it now yeah you just select him and the gas you, you might even get a, a plane ticket for the gas mask to roll alongside him make sure that can come with it too if he's yeah. playing like that who cares man like that's how well he's playing but he's hurt and so cj stroud is still making do with what is an offensive line that shouldn't be as good as they've been performing. I don't even know how well they've been performing. Really, to me, Wes, it's the coaching and the wide receivers that have taken a big old step up from what we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the season. And if you look at coaching here with Bryce Young, let's play the one Joe Person soundbite that we didn't get to in the opener here, Fiddy, because I asked him, all right, everybody is clamoring for Thomas Brown to take over play-calling duties right now. It's been that bad for Bryce Young. People want Thomas Brown to be that guy. I asked Joe Person if he thought it was time. I mean, I don't think Frank Reich's going to do that. Um, this is his, you know, he built his own reputation on play calling. And, I mean, I suppose, I don't even know if it got to the point where if if he was forced to give up play calling this early, if Reich would do it. Um, but, you know, that that's, 
if it keeps going down this road, then absolutely. Then I think you're going to hear the, the news, or excuse me, the noise and the clamoring get just louder and louder. I like that he said even if he was forced to, he doesn't even think he would do it at this point in time. But if you get you know five more games into it, however many you want to put on it, that's the time you might see play-calling duties exchange hands. Joe Person would also go on to say he's not out on Bryce after four games. He's not out on Frank Reich as a play caller. We've talked about it, Wes. We've seen him have success with a bunch of different quarterbacks. It doesn't mean that we just absolve him from all the poor play calling, all the poor game plans that he's schemed up so far. But there's something there with Frank Reich possibly needing to hand this over to Thomas Brown. A lot of people have questioned, is is he just because it didn't look bad against Seattle. They just didn't run it. But nobody was had a problem with the route combinations and the scheme against Seattle. It was just all about running the ball. And so is there this, whew, does he really not want Bryce Young so much to the point where he doesn't trust his quarterback alongside everything else around this offense? And that's why you and I both hypothesized, yeah, it looks like Frank Reich is calling the game scared of everything. Yeah, and... That's just not what you wanted to see, especially from everything we heard in the preseason. Remember way back when, during training camp, when we heard that they said that he was so far ahead of the curve that they were adding things to the mm-hmm. playbook. Mm-hmm. Like, that was wild. They said, most guys you hear, they're like, yeah, man, we can run everything in our playbook, and that's where it stopped. We took but it Bryce, as positive. They said, we can go what we have and beyond that. So I was expecting them to be able to come out, score points, not necessarily be the number one offense in the NFL, but have a very competent offense in Bryce Young to look like in the vein of what you're seeing from Stroud and Richardson. But we haven't seen that. It's a very vanilla offense, and I think that is kind of a byproduct of Frank Reich maybe not trusting the pick all the way, maybe not trusting Bryce all the way with what he can do. And I think at this point, once you're on four, you got to take the handcuffs off, man. Take the kid gloves off kid gloves off and just let him go out there and play his game, man, and let the chips fall how they may. We saw some of the improvisation and uh, we'll get to some of that stuff when we break down some of these plays, but we saw what he can do when he's off platform, like the word that everybody likes to use. Now we know that that's kind of his game. And when he's at his best, they got to let Bryce just trust him a little bit more to see what he can get out there and do. And maybe that's why they want to go grab a top flight receiver perhaps so that they can feel more comfortable doing that. But, uh, yeah, it looks like there's definitely something up as far as what do they trust Bryce to do. All right, we'll, we'll get to Second Take Tuesday. We've got our plays that we want to go over once again. We'll do that a little bit later on in the show and find some time. But coming up next, it's Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer, also the Charlotte Post, going to be joining us. He'll be covering the Hornets this year, but he's also covering the Charlotte 49ers, and he's the best doing it out there. We're going to talk about Biff Pogey and the start to the Pogey era. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's my favorite thing about the show is when we're all jumping to a beat. We've been doing it a lot lately. It's just so a part of our DNA. We have a hot beat on. We all start dancing. Then we turn on the mic like it's nothing. It's my favorite part of Wesson Walker. And I just wanted to go soft on you guys. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's move on. Hunter <laughs> Bailey, he talks about the Charlotte 49ers on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We appreciate Hunter Bailey as well joining us to talk a little bit about the Charlotte 49er football program. Hunter, we appreciate it. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Two days I've talked to you in a row. What's going on? I'm I know. What's up, baby? What's going on, Hunter? That is a man on the <laughs> guest line with a lot of responsibility. Not only is he covering the Charlotte 49ers, but he's also covering the Charlotte Hornets this upcoming season. We announced the job on these airwaves, so of course we're going to have Hunter Bailey on. I think we're going to start doing this weekly as long as Hunter is able to do so. Talk about the 49ers, maybe a little Hornets here and there. So again, he'll be joining us every Wednesday at 12. 45. But of course, I wanted to focus on the 49ers here, Hunter. It's not been a great start, even if there has been a tough schedule that the 49ers have faced. How would you describe the start to this season for Biff Pogey? Yeah, you're right, man. It has been, it's been tough. You look at, at Maryland, at Florida, and at SMU, who has just now accepted a bid to join the ACC next year. So you're looking tough road games. Uh, you drop all three of those. Uh, you say good teams win, great teams cover. Charlotte has covered in all three of those, uh, but did drop at home to Georgia State. So also a one and four start, a much needed bye week this week for sure. So for me, Hunter, I know we talked about this a little bit. I feel like this upcoming game, like you, you get past a couple power five opponents, you compete against them. You get past SMU, which when you were in these studios, we discussed how how much we thought of them coming into the season. But now you're in the you're you're getting into the heart of conference play. I feel like now, if you don't start winning and competing and having a chance in every game, this is when I think I'm going to start losing confidence in what they could accomplish this year. Now I feel like there's enough of a baked in excuse. But if if they don't win in this next game and they don't compete, then I think people are going to start to fall off the bandwagon. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I mean, you see the buy-in for this still, right? Saturday's game, the 14th uh, against Navy, is a sellout, it's homecoming. And the expectations have been there, and that's, that's started by the Poji kind of taking a job and saying, hey, look, we, we're planning to play 15 games this year. If I don't win the AAC, I'm not the man for the job. And now you're kind of at that crossroads of, you're right, hey, we're, we're one and four. We got to compete in and win some of these games, or you risk the possible result of losing the locker room, struggling in year one, and then kind of setting up that year two with some uncertainty, you know? Hunter Bailey joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45. And Hunter, my thing too with this offense, question marks at quarterback still remain. Jalen Jones, we know that he hasn't been able to get the job done, flashed a little bit at times. 
Trexler Ivy came in and gave the offense a little bit of a spark. But then you look at the Oklahoma transfer, Micah Bowens that hasn't been able to really see the field like that. Also, true freshman Carson Black. Is there any chance that we will see any of these quarterbacks going forward? Or is it going to be Jones still uh, the incumbent starter and then Trexler Ivy getting his chances? I believe you could see Micah Bowen. So he, he's kind of struggled to learn this offense, right? He started at Penn State, moved to Oklahoma, and is now at Charlotte. Uh, he's been serving as the scout team quarterback. I believe he'll move up to quarterback number three this week, as we could see potentially Dom Schaffner moving to maybe receiver, running back type of deal. Uh, I think it's still uh, Jalen Jones and Trexler Ivy's jobs, I guess, to lose. And, and you hit, a, hit the nail on the head. Both these quarterbacks do certain things well. Neither one of them are as efficient and as consistent as Biff Hoji likes. And that's why you see such a short leash. And, I mean, Jones takes a sack, he gets subbed out. Ivy takes a sack, he's subbed out. The leash is so short, there's no time to build confidence. And when you look at these two players, Jalen Jones has been with five OCs over five years, just learning Mike Miller's system and then you look at Trex or Ivy this kid's a redshirt sophomore that's not even on a scholarship uh, so obviously you've got to find ways to build confidence for these guys and I think whether it's getting the string game going early whether it's getting quick easy reads for them to make decisions you gotta you gotta find ways to help help them feel comfortable on the field and not know you know hey if I make this mistake I'm yanked and I and I might not see the field again and so when you look at this roster, 12 four-star transfers, 49 transfers that had three or more stars, is it a case where it's starting to become a sobering thought that these guys had to transfer from their institutions for a reason? Or do you feel like that this is a team just on the cusp of winning football games if they can just tweak a few things here and there? Oh, I think they're on the cusp. And you look at a lot of the games, right? You look at Maryland, you jump out to that 14-0 lead. And Yabi Oki, transfer from Michigan, said that. I mean, they kind of took a kind of took a breath. Like we're up on these guys. You see Maryland come back, rattle off thirty-eight unanswered. Then Charlotte goes to Florida, hangs with Florida. They're right there in the game. They really lost it in the middle eight of that game. Uh, and then you travel to SMU, where it was really never a game. Last Saturday's game was kind of the first time you saw Charlotte look like a troublesome team in all three phases of the game. And I think, like I say, this bye week gives you that extra week of preparation for Navy. You know the triple option's coming. You know you've got to get a win at home. And I, like I say, I think they're close, and that's not really just coach talk. That's We've seen them make strides, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've just got to find a way to score touchdowns, man. And when you're playing four games against FCS or FBS teams and you haven't scored three touchdowns, it's a hard win, especially in today's college football. Well, and Hunter, I feel like if their identity is going to be a strong defense and trying to run the football with some play action sprinkled here and there, man, I feel like that offensive line has to perform better than what they have. Uh, what would your assessment be of the offensive line and how it can play moving forward in this system? Definitely. And texting with some former players, they, they've said, like, we're not Michigan. We don't have this rich recruiting tradition of getting big four- and five-star offensive linemen like schools like Iowa and other programs in the Big Ten have done, Wisconsin, et cetera. And so when you look at a team like Charlotte, they returned two starters from last year, one of which was Johnny King, the center. Then you add four new pieces around them, including a Division II transfer, a UCLA transfer who never played with the Bruins. You're, you're not talking about huge guys, huge names coming in on the O-line, and that's 
I mean, you look at quarterback as an issue and you look at offensive line. If they can recruit there, I mean, you heard Deion Sanders say it with Colorado, we need about eight or nine dogs. And when he's talking about eight or nine dogs, he's talking about the big guys up front. And that's exactly what this program needs. And they can't play their style of football without that. And that's the biggest issue right now. Hunter, do you feel like that with them playing Maryland and Florida early, was it that much more disheartening when they did lose to SNU? Because do you feel like that some of the tough games at the beginning of this schedule will help them to be able to get some wins later down the line, seeing the competition that they've seen? Definitely, man. This is a this is a front-loaded schedule. You look at it, you just mentioned SMU, Florida, Maryland. Now you get three one-win teams in a row. You get Navy, you get East Carolina, and then you get Florida Atlantic. And don't get me wrong, these aren't slouch schools. And then in the back end of the schedule, you've got Rice, USF, schools that have traditionally struggled. There are some wins there. You could really go on a run there and like to play the optimism card. Charlotte was two and five in 2019. They won five straight to go to a bowl game. So there is hope for that, especially with a front-loaded schedule. And that's that's kind of Mike Hill's deal with scheduling. He wants to play two Power Five teams a year because when they get those wins, Circle Duke 2021, it does so much for the program. But they are going to take their lumps in the non-conference as they continue to grow. All right, Hunter, last thing for me, just how impact, uh, how impactful are the injuries that Charlotte has suffered on the defensive side? They've lost a couple guys, especially on the interior. When you look at, like, Jalar Holly, a Miami transfer, Julius Walshoff has been in and out, a Michigan transfer. They do have, and I will say this, Walker, and as long as you've watched Charlotte football, I think you might can attest to this. This is the deepest team they've had. They have literally quality depth at every position, whether corner through defensive end, they have so many options and you see defensive coordinator, Ryan Osborne playing so many people. I mean, there's 22, 23 guys that are playing on defense a game and that's what you need. Uh, so the injuries are definitely happening. They're stacking up a little bit, but as I said, you got this week to get healthy and then take these last seven games in stride. Yeah, defensively for sure. It's as deep as they've been in a long time. Maybe not offensively, but defensively, you're totally right about that. That is the voice of Hunter Bailey on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Follow this man on Twitter, at Hunter underscore Bailey, also hosting a podcast that you can find on his timeline as well. The latest episode of the Highway 49 podcast, you can find anywhere you get your pods. Hunter, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Talk to you guys next week. All right, Hunter. Always fun getting that information from Hunter. And yes, it's not always fun from fan guy Dave, who called me out saying, holy voice crack. It's going to be a voice crack kind of day, Dave. We're fighting, Dave. man. We're fighting. Just like y'all out there fighting for your families to get your pay. We're fighting in here today. All right, real quickly, did want to mention that you can get tickets to the Bank of America Roval 400 this Sunday, the 8th. Just text keyword PIT, P-I-T. Text PIT to 704-570-9610. Keyword PIT to 704-570-9610. And you can get tickets to the Bank of America Roval 400 this Sunday, the 8th, by texting 704-570-9610. Two more hours to go. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.